Hello, baseball fans, and welcome to Sully Baseball Daily, the podcast we talk about baseball 365 days a year, unless it's a leap year, and then we're going to do another one. I've been doing this every single day since October 24th, 2012. It's now the 13th day of September 2016, and I'm your host, Paul Francis Sullivan. Please call me Sully. I'm recording this from the Sully Baseball Studio in Palo Alto, California, the birthplace of Oakland A's manager Bob Melvin, and just down the 101 from AT&T Park, the home of the San Francisco Giants, who can't score a run. You know, you know it's a weird day in baseball when the Giants lose at home and are shut out by the San Diego Padres, who are not exactly world beaters this year, and yet they are moved a day closer to making the postseason because the Mets lost. They got clobbered by the Washington Nationals. The Cardinals lost. We'll get to that one in a second. And Miami lost. So all the teams that are right on the, you know, that are on the Giants' heels, and uh, and not that they're really still in it anymore, but the Pirates lost as well. So when you take a look at the, the fact of the matter is that the Giants are losing ground to the Dodgers. I'll get to them in a second. But the Giants are still a game and a half, two games in the loss column ahead of the Mets, two games in the loss column ahead of the St. Louis Cardinals. The Marlins aren't really a factor anymore. The Pirates are on a four-game losing streak and, and collapsing and are actually closer to falling behind the Colorado Rockies, who they are tied with in the win column, than they are actually making the postseason. So the Giants, you know, with the with the Marlins and the Pirates falling out of it, the real challenge for San Francisco is to just stay ahead of the Mets and the Cardinals. And when you consider, at this point of the season, we're, we are in mid-September. The Giants have 19 games left. That's less than three weeks' worth of games. And they have a two-game lead in the loss column of you know making it to the postseason. That is making it, punching your clock to... Uh, being one of the wild card teams. And believe me, I've seen my share of giant games this year. And the difference between one of the wild come from behind wins that they had when they were piling up the best record in baseball in the first half of the season and these agonizing, at least if you're rooting for the Giants, losses that I've had in the second half of the season has has been a bounce here, a bounce there, a hit here or a hit there. A well-placed hit here or there tonight, the Giants win. I mean, I love going back to that the game where the Giants hit into a triple play with the you know bases loaded, nobody out. Obviously, there's nobody out if he do a triple play, but you know a sharp ground ball, boom, badoom, badoom. Next thing you know, the inning's over. I, if that ball is to a little bit to the left, a little bit to the right. The bases are clear. The Giants tie the game. It's really, it, it it's, it's boils down to chance. But when you have a situation where you're not playing that much differently from the winning time to the losing time, 
What you want to do is increase your chances. You're not going to fix everything. You're not going to patch everything. Someone's going to make a spectacular catch. Some ball is going to dribble where it's not supposed to be. But I'll tell you one consistent thing, and this was true in 2015, and it's true this year. When Hunter Pence is hitting, and hitting well, the Giants are playing well. Hunter Pence went bananas in this series against Arizona this last week, and he's holding his own with with more offense in tonight's game. Granted, he was stranded, as everyone was. It seemed like Samarja was practically doing the offense by himself. But let me just let me just go to baseballreference.com, single greatest website in the history of the planet Earth, and point out something. Now this is I am uh, recording this on the night of the twelfth, so I don't I'm, I don't have today's game entered into this. But in the first few weeks of September. Okay, if you like batting average, fine. I'll give you his batting average. Hunter Pence's batting average is three i I'll also give you his on-base percentage is four fifty five. His slugging is seven eighteen. In the month of September, his OPS is over 1.0. And his on-base percentage is through the roof. Now, the key is... This is something I'd say to Bruce Bochy. And I look at Bruce Bochy is going to the Hall of Fame. Bruce Bochy is a great manager. Bruce Bochy has forgotten more baseball than I will ever know. However, he also forgot of the baseball. Some of the baseball he forgot was that Santiago Casilla is not someone you want to bring into the game with the game on the line this year. I've been saying that since mid-July. But let me give another piece of unsolicited advice to Boach. Boach, it's your pal Sully. You're going to the Hall of Fame. Your team's already won three World Series this decade. You have nothing, nothing to prove. But with that being said, if you somehow get into the postseason this year, and you're in a decent shape to do that, you've carved a little bit off of that magic number, then you're now in a situation where you could make it to the postseason have a bunch of aces on your in your deck, and, well, with nothing to lose, maybe, just maybe, you make a little noise. Kind of, sort of like the last time you won the World Series. And isn't it nice that you can say things like, the last time you won the World Series. But, the team, in order to increase its chance of winning, why not take that Hunter Pence character, and move him up in the lineup. Look it, I know that baseball players are creatures of habit, and they like to do things their way, and they like to do things and know where they're hitting and know where they're sitting and everything like that. Hunter Pence strikes me kind of, sort of, as the guy who hit no matter where you put him in the lineup. And he seems like the kind of guy who will do what is needed to be done to win. Now, I'm looking at today's lineup, or from you know from the the four nothing game. Pagan let off, oh no, Span let off, followed by Pagan, then Posey, then Crawford, then Pence. Okay. Let me just tell you what I my thoughts are at this point. He's red hot. 
He's getting hit after hit after hit. And he's batting fifth. There's no guarantee that he's even going to bat in the first. I'm not about disrupting how you're doing things. But the higher you put Hunter Pence in the order, the more times he's going to come to bat. That's just mathematics. If you bat leadoff, you will have more at-bats than anywhere else. I don't know the exact amount of percentage it is that the number of at-bats you get, more at-bats the higher you are up in the lineup, but the fact of the matter is this. Sometimes you make adjustments, and sometimes you put together the lineup based upon, oh, this is where everyone's role is, this is where everyone's comfortable is, and blah, 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 blah. And then you also take a look and say, hey, who's the best player to turn over the lineup? If you have someone who is hitting at the clip that Hunter Pence is doing, look, if you don't want to bat him lead off, to me, I would bat him lead off. Yes, it's a little weirder in the National League that you would have him following the pitcher, but do you know what? I wouldn't want him to have the most number of at-bats, the most number of times to get hits. But if you don't want to play that game, have him bat second. Have him bat second. Have him come up more. Because you know what happens when you get someone who's on base or getting hits, you give him more at-bats, that's more chances for them to get hits. And more chances for that elusive big hit to happen. That means if someone's on base, he may drive them in. And if there's no one on base, he could keep an inning going. Or maybe if someone else gets a hit and he's on base, they can score. You know, fifth, you have a guy who's on a torrid pace. And you have four batting in front of him. I love Buster Posey. Buster Posey is one of my favorite players. But do you know what? He is not hitting at this torrid clip. Neither is Pence, not sorry, neither is Span. Neither is Pagan. Nobody is. And do you know what? With this small sample size, with 19 games left, you could say, hmm, do you know what? This is the situation that we have been dealt. Take a look at what's happening over in Boston. My team. They put Pedroia at the leadoff spot, a position that he normally has said in the past he's not thrilled about that. They've plunked him in there, and he can't stop getting hits. And if you notice, the Red Sox have started to pull away. Okay, maybe pull away is a strong word. But they have a two-game lead in their division the American League East. Their magic number is down to 18 in honor of Shane Victorino and his Grand Slam. And a big chunk of that has happened when is at the top of the order, getting hit after hit after hit. And as those other players start getting hits, their rallies, when you get hits and the runners on base, do what happened? They have a tendency to score. It's mathematics. It's physics. It's the rotation of the earth. The more times you come to bat, the more likely, and if you're piling up hits, if you're piling up hits towards the top of the order, 
that means you're going to have more chances to pound the heads. Look at the Giants have to adjust. They already make an adjustment in the closer position. Fine. They have to make an adjustment with this lineup. you got about a little less than three weeks to secure a place in the playoffs. Putting Pence up there may help the other batters. You may, it may help the likes of Crawford, the likes of Pagan, the likes of Posey. Knowing they're coming up there in a situation where the pitcher has to pitch with a runner on base. His name is Pence. Does Pence strike you as a stubborn prima donna who will say, I don't know, that's not really where I belong. Or does he strike you as a lunatic who will say, I'll do anything. I will, I will, I will eat steel to get in my third World Series in San Francisco. Fourth overall for Bruce Bochy as a manager of the Giants and a fifth pennant for him. He would, he would, he would swallow the bay for Bruce Bochy. I mean, jump right into McCovey Cove, mouth open and swallow until it's dry. And you start seeing all the buoys and everything just lying there on the ground. Give him those extra at-bats. And those extra at-bats could lead to more rallies and more runs. This is a situation where you have the Cardinals, you have the Mets. You have to play better than the Cardinals and the Mets, and then you host the damn wild-card game. And if you host the wild-card game, that means you're going to have either Bumgarner or Cueto or Smarge to pitch that game. But guess what? Then you'd have one of those two one of those three, sorry, pitching, if they win that, pitching game one against Arietta and the Cubs. And that might be able to neutralize them. The idea of a Giants pennant this year is still not outlandish. As I've said, a bounce here and a bounce there. And you could pass it all up to luck, and you could pass it all up to chance, and that's, to be fair, partially true. But you have control over some elements of chance. Your chances increase the more hits you get, the more runners there are on base. And that's why I believe Pence belongs further up there. <clears throat> it's funny, the Hendricks of the Cubs, switching gears here a little bit. I just want to talk about this briefly. I didn't talk about this on the other day, and there's really not much to tell. Uh, Hendricks of the Cubs took a no-hitter into the ninth inning. He let up a home run to lead off the ninth inning and ultimately finished the game. Uh, uh, they handed the ball over to Chapman, who got the save for the Cubs. And there was not much debate about whether or not to bring Hendricks out to the ninth inning. You know, he got him a chance to throw the no-hitter, the second no-hitter of the year for the Cubbies after Arietta's earlier this year. But there was the controversy this weekend about Dave Roberts of the Dodgers pulling Rich Hill with a perfect game. Trust me, I get why Rich Hill was pissed. Like, look, I'm a journeyman, slogged his way up, and I had a chance to throw a perfect game. I'm under 90 pitches. Obviously, I'm doing okay if I'm throwing a perfect game. And he was lifted, and ultimately with two outs in the eighth, the Dodgers let up a hit, and therefore was gone the no-hitter. And the controversy over whether or not Dave Roberts made the right call 
by lifting him. And there are some people saying, oh, come on, this is a this is a chance for a perfect game, a chance of immortality and everything like that. And then there's also the element of, hey, those hot spots of his blisters were starting to come up. I mean, you have to... I, I tweeted out when it happened. I said I had no problem with Dave Roberts' decision because he's trying to get into October and he, he, his entire pitching staff's broken down. Yeah, they got Clayton Kershaw back the other day, but he's clearly not at full strength. They were supposed to have McCarthy. Think about all those pitches they were supposed to have over the course of the year. I'm not sure they're going to get Carthy, Casimir, and, and Kershaw, all these pitchers who they were counting on. And so to be able to put at risk yet another pitcher, it's a different situation. If this were, if the Dodgers were like 12 games out of first place and just playing at the string, yeah, let them throw the perfect game. What do we have to lose? And then, then you shut them down after that. Or if their entire pitching staff was healthy, there were five or six pitchers deep, yeah, then you go for it. But remember, this is a Dodger team that still desperately needs to win a pennant. They lost Granky. You don't know what Kershaw you're going to have here. This is still a team that has a chance to capture the city of L.A. in a way that they haven't had for a long time. And that's not going to happen with a no-hitter or a perfect game, no matter how wonderful a story that is. Because if that even... I mean, if he's there on the eighth inning and he's facing a batter and those blisters start to pop up, and it's not about, oh, be a tough guy, pitch through those blisters. If you're a pitcher like him, you can't pitch with blisters on your fingers. You've suddenly become a journeyman again. This is a Dodger team that needs him to be an all-star. Absolutely. And I just done a podcast saying, hey, I kind of like the idea of combined no-hitters. I like sharing the wealth. I like sharing the credit. But that's neither here nor there. Roberts made the right decision because not all decisions are equal. Not all decisions are in a vacuum. Not every situation where like, hey, he's throwing a perfect game, better let him do it. No, actually, sometimes you have to take a look at the long-term effect of the team. And the fact of the matter is this. The Dodgers have an opportunity as they're getting closer and closer. What is their magic number here? Let me, I'll tell you the magic number in just a minute. But they've expanded their lead in the National League West to now four games over San Francisco. Four. Their magic number is 16. And they'll be facing, not if this, assuming they don't go on a collapse, and I'll get to that in a second, they'll face Washington. And that would be a pretty evenly matched series. Granted, if I were a betting man and your pal Sully isn't, I would probably pick Washington in that. But that is a real chance to avoid a St. Louis, to avoid the Cubs, to avoid the Mets, to avoid all these teams that have been their bugaboo. And to go on and have a chance to get to the NLCS, and the only way to go further than that is with something resembling a full pitching staff. And what is the easiest way 
to see a gigantic collapse. The way that we saw, like, for example, the Red Sox in 2011. What is the easiest way to see your team collapse? Is if their starting pitching staff turns to crap. And they've already had a ton of injuries to it. They can't afford to open the door of a collapse. Yeah, it would be really, really cool if you're a Dodger fan to see Rich Hill throw a perfect game. But I have a sinking sensation that you would rather see them go deep into October instead. Dave Roberts, this is the second time this year that he's pulled a pitcher who's in the middle of a no-hitter. The first time was the kid at the beginning of the year was coming off of a Tommy John surgery. One thing you got to admire Dave Roberts, he's not afraid to pull the trigger on a move or two that may be slightly unpopular. But the Dodgers know that they're this way because chance has been on their side. And the Giants have lost a ton of games which they had a chance to win. And not all of them were lost by Santiago Casilla. Sometimes it's just because they didn't get that bounce here or there. And they know that. And suddenly those balls start bouncing the right way for the Giants, and the Dodgers don't have the deep pitching staff that they were hoping. Do you know what? They might be the ones playing in the wild card game. They don't want to do that. And if that means sacrificing a shot at a perfect game, hey, kind of like Armando Galarraga, people are going to remember Rich Hill being taken out of a perfect game, maybe even more than if he threw the perfect game. All right, maybe that's a bit of a reach. But folks, the West is interesting. And man, the Giants, listen to me and listen to me well. If you have someone producing like this, and you say, hey, if he just produces like this for the next couple of weeks, and that could mean an additional hit, and that could mean an additional walk, then maybe that's the difference between a win and a loss for San Francisco. Meanwhile, a few innings taken away in the middle of September could mean more innings from Rich Hill in the middle of October. Ah, that's a trade every Dodger fan. If they don't make it, well, it's because they're insane. So who owned baseball for uh, Monday? Uh, I think it's pretty safe to say Hendricks of the Cubs. If you nearly throw a no-hitter the way he did, I think that's a pretty good indication that you own baseball. Um, who else? Uh, Rugnet Odor. Not bad. He's moving up the Who Owns Baseball chart in the American League as a hitter as he got a bunch of hits, including the game-winning home run in extra innings as the Rangers are moving closer and closer to the AL West title. Uh, David Price of the Red Sox, hey, this is not bias on my part. He was great, let up only two hits, a couple solo homers. Red Sox clobbered Baltimore 10 to 2. And moving closer to the AL East, uh, Yasmani Tomas, uh, 4 for 5 home run, and the Diamondbacks beat Colorado in a game that has absolutely no impact on the playoffs, but Tomas was terrific. Half wops. Uh, Starling Castro of the Yankees doubled and homered. But they lost a big game to the Dodgers, and man, Yankees can't afford to lose many games down the stretch. Uh, Jake Odorizzi's seven strong innings, but the Blue Jays came back and won that one. And Carlos Gonzalez, four hits in that slugfest with the Diamondbacks. 
Rocky's Law. So if you're keeping score at home, Rugnet Odor, David Price's Monty Tomas, and of course Kyle Hendricks are full wops, half wops. Starlin Castro, Jake Odorizzi, and Carlos Gomez. Go to SullyBaseball.com, like me on Facebook, Twitter, iTunes, SoundCloud, YouTube, Twitter, Stitcher, Instagram, and everywhere. The music is by Ted Thacker and Patrick Kulisian. Ah, I thought I was going to go through an evergreen today. You know what? Made an original one. This has been the Sully Baseball Daily Podcast for the 13th day of September 2016. I'm your host, Paul Francis Sullivan. Please call me Sully. <laughs>